Hi, and welcome to Renton Christian Center's Recorded Ministries. We hope you'll enjoy listening to this message as Pastor Alex leads us in God's Word. It is our hope that you'll personally experience God through these teachings. Now here's Pastor Alex. All right, book of James. We are walking through this precious five-chapter book, learning about how to, I, I love what Ashley shared during worship, learning how not to complain and act like God owes us some kind of easy life or some kind of explanation for everything or he's supposed to forecast everything and tell us ahead of time what's coming up because that's not the way God operates. How many of you know that God doesn't always tell you everything ahead of time? Sometimes he waits to the last minute. Sometimes he waits till after it's over and he says, oh, by the way, that was me. He, he's just not really all that worked up about the fact that we are in the dark sometimes. And that's frustrating for me because I remember even today, but especially as a young Christian, I have, have always wrestled with that, that balance between where does my job end and where does God's job begin, right? Like I know I'm supposed to do something to participate but at the same time, I can't do it all. I can't raise people from the dead. I can't perform miracles apart from God doing it. So I, I've only got some, you know, so many things as a human I can do. It's kind of, I, I consider it a ceiling. I can hit the ceiling of my abilities and my participation, but there has to be a place where God's floor begins and he completes the rest of the work. But that's not always easy to find that, that spot, is it? So as a young Christian, in fact, I was talking with a friend a couple days ago, about the same thing. Uh, as a young Christian, I used to think, okay, well, the reason my prayers aren't being answered is because, quote, I must be doing it all in the flesh. And that sounded like a really spiritual reason, real spiritual. Yeah, you can't do things in the flesh, man. You got to do them by the Spirit. And it made it sound like, okay, well, then I guess I do nothing at all. And so I just pray, pray, pray fast and, and declare and whatever and, and watch God work. Step back and see the salvation of the Lord. That sounds spiritual too. But still nothing would happen. And so I began to realize it's not all one or all the other. It, it's me participating with God and just trusting that somewhere I'm going to find the end of my rope and at that point he will take over. But it's not always clear where that point is. The good news is James helps bring a little perspective on how to dial in a little bit closer when he starts talking about what authentic faith is versus this thing the Bible calls presumption. So let's take a look at some verses here in James 4, verse 13 through 17. And let's see, I've got it up here on the overhead. Let's just read through and see, see what he says about that whole topic. Faith or presumption? He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make some serious cash. Why do you not even know, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's kind of a little bit disjointed comment at the very end. But the big picture is he's saying, you know, it's not just a slight 
failure to presume upon God, it's actually evil to just take life in your own hands and just charge out and, and not even consult. Basically, James is saying, you know, you Christians are living your life as if Christ is not even there. You've got plans, you've got dreams, you've got schemes. You took a class, you saw an online seminar, and baby, you're going to go change the world. Man, we're going to Vegas, we're going to be entrepreneurs, we're going to go take over the world and make lots of money. That's kind of what he was addressing here. A lot of self-initiated activity, which in itself may not be evil activity. It could be really good and wholesome. But James is saying, but it's different for you. You're Christians, meaning you have a relationship with the living God. He lives inside of you. You can hear his voice. Your ears work because the Holy Spirit opened them up, opened your eyes, and you actually have the capacity to hear, comprehend, understand, and do God's will. So because of that relationship, that's why doing things on our own is literally evil. That's just wrong. So he says, just act like you have someone who loves you, who cares, and wants to direct, wants to bless, wants to add, wants to produce and provide for you. Now, our plans generally, I think it's just human nature, are to figure out how to get ahead, how to succeed, how to be more influential, how to have more fun, how to be more adventurous, how to be more holy, how to be more productive, how to have more rest. And James is simply stating the obvious. He's going, that's all well and good, but as far as accomplishing all those things alone, you have limitations. And that's really the first thing I want to say is authentic faith acknowledges my limitations. I am man, not God. I not only can't control the destiny of my life, I, I really only have a little bit of control over a couple of things. Time, energy, maybe talent. Okay, three things. But after that, circumstances are out of my control. I have limits. I can't control what happens next. I don't even know what's going to happen next, let alone control it. And so that's all James is saying is he's going, look, you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He says, not that mist is bad or evil, but he says, an analogy. You know, like when you see a little a vapor just kind of appear from a, a steam kettle on the stove, and then within a second, it's gone. That's your life. In fact, I love it. At the beach, when you get on the coast, around the Northwest especially, on a sunny day, there's almost always morning marine layer clouds and fog. Have you seen that? And then what do you say? By about 11 o'clock, there's a phrase we use. The sun's going to come and burn it off, right? That's what's happening. It's not, it's not really there. It's actually just moisture that's appearing as a cloud for a while, but then it gets burned off. It evaporates. But here's the cool thing. If you stay at the beach long enough, by around sundown, this clear blue sky starts having clouds literally appear out of nowhere. It's really weird. It's like, I saw the sun, now there's, wait, it was there the whole time. But no, now it's not. Now it is. It's just really wild. So that's, that's what James is trying to point out. Your life in the grand scheme of things is about that long and about that important and about that meaningful compared to the will of God, compared to eternity. And so stop acting so self-important like everything I do matters and counts and I got to do it perfectly. So he's saying, just get some perspective. You have some limitations. I was 
thinking in pictures, which is what I like to do. And I thought about the picture of the human lifespan. Let's say you're going to live to be 100 or so, okay? Some of us would love that. Some of us would say, no thanks. But in the normal human life, you know that being two or three or four and crawling, that's a challenging time, man. It's challenging mostly for your parents. And then as you grow up and you become a 10-year-old or 12-year-old, then now you've got some social challenges, man, and things are hard. It's like, oh, my life is falling apart. We raised three girls in the Lord. Really think we did an okay job as parents, but you know, we really encountered some weirdness when they became teenagers. <laughs> I mean, not weird like they were weird, but they were just encountering some emotional and, and I think spiritual challenges that really, I mean, there, there were talks of like cutting and, and um, I mean, there was a season where one of our girls just loved, um, what's the guy from Aberdeen? Cobain, Kurt Cobain, and used to just write letters to Kurt Cobain. But this is scary. That's weird, man. And so I remember at that season, that was huge, man. Our lives as parents, their lives as my girls, it was just like falling apart. This is so big and so important. And then you look for a career. Then you go to school. Then you get married. Then you buy a house. And there's drama, drama at every season, isn't there? Not every day, maybe, but, but there are seasons. It comes and goes. And so it's understandable why the Christians are feeling like, wow, everything matters right now. My gosh, it's so huge. James goes, you know, not so much, you know. Compared to a 500-year span, a couple of things you do might be remembered in 500 years, but maybe not all of it. So just get some perspective. You have limitations. And, you know, when you compare it to 5,000 years, that's what I call a mist, just a wisp. Our lives are a wisp. Does that diminish the importance of who we are? No. Does that diminish our value as people? No. It's simply getting perspective where we begin to say, oh, God, if this is your will, so be it. If it's not, I don't want to be involved. And I'm not going to get so hung up on every event, every decision. Oh, my gosh. Because compared to eternity and compared to God. There's a book written, in fact, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. In fine print, it's all small stuff. So James is saying, just relax, because what happens when we begin taking everything into our own hands as all important, we become presumptuous. We don't consult God. We just become anxious. We just get really uptight and really you know, frenetic in our activity and decision-making, and we just do some dumb things. It's not helpful. So he says, recognize you've got limitations. You are not all that. Second thing I like that James says, oh, by the way, compared to, oh, there it is. That's the international symbol for eternity, by the way, also known as Google. Okay, there's still a mist there. Do you see him? There's my little lifespan still there. Not that big a deal. Second thing James says is authentic faith starts with God, not me. Critical point. Faith does not begin with me having a vision. I'm going to bring it to pass. Always starts with God. He's calling. <laughs> Faith begins not with me, my ideas, not even looking on the inside like, hey, what are my gifts? You know, what's my family background? What's my, um, you know, training and education? I'll kind of gather all this data from my human experience and kind of let that declare my future. They will play a role, but it doesn't begin there. It begins with God. Look what James says. 
He says, if it's the Lord's will, I like this, we will actually live. <laughs> we won't die. I mean, even that is up for question. God chooses that. We don't. That's not within our control. That's his domain. If it's the Lord's will, we will live and we'll do this or that. So yeah, some planning comes into play and some training and experience and kind of watching the path that I've trod so far to help direct the future, that all comes into play. But it all starts with God. Real faith is initiated by what God wants next for us. Real faith is in something you and I sense he is saying to us. Then we react. Faith is a response. It's not our initiative. It's a response to what God is showing, what God's revealing, what God is saying in his word. That is critical because there have been a lot of teaching in the past that kind of made it sound like our vision for the future, my life, my calling, sort of stems out of our innermost being or something. Well, that's not true unless it's from the Holy Spirit in our innermost being initiating the call and the direction. So James, as I said before, says, you guys call yourselves Christians, but you act like he's not even there. So why don't you begin to say, Lord, today, thank you that I'm still breathing. I am alive, and I thank you that you have a course set before me for every moment of this 24-hour period, and I look forward to hearing your voice, seeing what it is, sensing it, and following it. That's authentic faith, not presumption. Do you know that if you and I don't know what God's clear will for our life is, by default we will operate in presumption. There's no second or third choice. It's either I'm sensing God wants me to walk this way, behave this way, do this, say that, or I'm just coming up with it on my own. Those are the only two choices. And James is not pulling any punches. He goes, that's not just a kind of a bad day. It's sin. It's evil. And that's pretty extreme. But I, I think what he's trying to point out is, guys, you could really be fruitful. You could really be rich in peace and joy and fulfillment and usefulness for other people. You, you could be so full and with such volume of life, the life of God in you. And compared to that, the fact that you're settling for so little, that's what's kind of like, that's just stupid, <laughs> kind of sinful. So what's the difference between presumption and faith? I, I like spelling things out because I, if I don't break it down, I won't get it. So I, I did a, a little list here between presumption and authentic faith. Presumption means I initiate the action. I'm going to quit my job and go get another one. Did you pray? No. I'm still going to do it. It's a smart move. That's me initiating. I begin to think I'm leading God. I'm a Christian, so I am going to pray about this, but it won't be to ask for direction. I'm going to ask him to take direction from me. I'll lead, and you can bless. That's what presumption does. It says, oh, God, I've been wanting this, been praying about this for so long, and all my friends agree, da, 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 da. so I'm going to go for it. Would you please bless it? Isn't that a common way we pray sometimes? And it needs to be the other way around. And so I expect God to bless my plans. Now, Authentic faith is when we sense God wants to initiate something. Wow, there's a new stirring in me. And I, I read these verses in the Bible. I heard a couple of things on the radio. My friend said this, and I kind of see this thing coming together where I'm supposed to, 
That's to make a decision and do something different than I've done in the past. And Lord, is that you? If it is, would you confirm it? I know you're not in a hurry, so I've got a day, I've got a week, I've got a year, depending on the size of the decision. Would you, because you told me I would hear your voice. I'm your sheep, I'm your lamb. Your spirit lives in me. You'll tell me this is the way you walk in. And I'm looking for that kind of direction, Lord. Would you do that for me? Through your word, foremost. Through other qualified, mature Christians that you know. Through circumstances, but not the only thing. And ask God to make clear as much as he's willing to do. And then, figure out what my part is. What's my part here, Lord? I can't do the whole thing because there's a ceiling. My limitations will come into play. So show me my part, and then you do the rest. And together, we will watch you fulfill what you promised. And I expect you to bless your plans, don't you? I expect God to bless his own plans. He's not going to bless mine necessarily, but I know he will bless his. They will come to pass. And then I will say at the end of it all, I am so honored and humbled to be a participant in this. Are you kidding me? Wow, really? I got to do that, God? And we all know, Lord, it was kind of you start to finish. Even the ability to participate is a gift. It's your breath in my lungs that I'm breathing. It's not even my breath. You gave that to me as well. That's authentic faith. And so if we'll learn to just, I think, just slow down, James is saying, and, and begin to say, Father, I, I most of all need to know your will. I need to know your heart to know if this idea kind of fits so it actually could possibly be your will because I know you. And then take the time to search, to seek, to ask, to pray, to get input, to get counsel, and then confirmation. And then say, okay, Lord, it's scary. It's going to be kind of hard but I'm sensing it's what I'm supposed to do. And at some point, listen to this, at some point there will be a line that you'll have to cross even though you're still not 100% sure. I rarely have experienced God give me 100% certainty on a decision I'm about to make. Because if he did, it wouldn't be faith any longer, right? It would just be, I'm walking by sight. I'm not walking by faith. He just completely spelled it out. There's no risk whatsoever, no danger whatsoever. That's not what he's called us to. He's called us to seek him, to listen, to get the best information we can, and then take a step of faith. But based on good, legitimate evidence that this was the Lord. Am I making sense? Okay. So, the other night I had the chance to watch my, two of my granddaughters, um, Penelope and Charlotte, and uh, I got the honor of putting them to bed. So uh, parents were out on a date night, and so um, got there. They were kind of finishing up dinner, and uh, it was almost bedtime. And uh, they had tried bunk beds for a while in the same bedroom. That lasted about a month, and because uh, one girl kept waking the other girl up and wouldn't let her sleep. And so parents said, nope, let's go back to two bedrooms. And so I, I remember getting their jams on, brushing their teeth, and doing everything, getting them all ready. And, and so I carried Penelope in, into this bedroom, and I put her down there and, and said, okay, we're going to read, we're going to pray, we're going to do all the things that we always do. And, and then she's all good, good to go. Okay, don't come out, just sleep. Okay, don't come out. And the, then we did Penelope, and same thing, you know, put her in the bed. Da, 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 da. And they both were just kind of quiet and content, just sort of looking at me. And it seemed like something was up. I mean, they were just like, they're just looking at me, not really talking or resisting much. And I remember praying for Penelope going, 
what's this pacifier doing in your bed? This is not even your blanket. And then I went over to the other one, and I said, Charlotte, how come all Penny's books, these are like grown-up books. What are her books doing? Are you in the wrong bed? (laughs) (laughs) Her parents switched bedrooms, because when they had their own room, they used to be the opposite, and I had no idea. And they're just laying there, just kind of, this is kind of cool. They thought I was playing a joke on them. I had no idea. See, eventually it became clear I had them swapped. Wrong room. And here's the thing you can know about your God. Eventually he will make his will known to you. But you have to start somewhere. And trust that eventually it will become clear. Yes, I'm on track. No, shut door. I'm not on track. Slight curve to the right. I'm better, closer now. You can trust that eventually God will clarify as we move. So you have to step across that line at some point before God will reveal the next step. Can I just make an obvious statement? When things are not clear, that's not necessarily a sign to do nothing. A lot of us are too skittish, a little too afraid. Maybe you've made some bad choices and so you've got a little track record of history that keeps cropping up, oh, you can do that again. It doesn't mean to do nothing. There are times when we need to just take a small step and say, Father, I've got I've to trust you at some point and see what's next. So don't wait for perfection or you'll never do anything. Finally, we'll wrap it up with this. Authentic faith acts on the best information I have. James ends with this kind of terse comment. If anybody knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's kind of out of character with this whole faith in finding God's will message, but it's really not. What James is saying there is that his will is not always a mystery. There are some things that are just clear as day. We don't have to wait for a revelation to love our neighbor. We don't need a revelation to apologize when we've hurt somebody. We don't need a new word from the Lord to forgive or to tell the truth. Am I right? We, we don't need. So that's what he's referring to. There are some things you already know he's already revealed. It's written in plain as day in his word. Do that. If you know the right thing to do and don't do it, it's kind of the opposite of faith. It's called disobedience. You know, faith and obedience go hand in hand. If we don't do what we know to do, it's called sin. The phrase, the sin of omission, have you heard it before? The sin of omission is kind of a strange little twist. Most of us feel that if we're compelled to maybe reach out to somebody who's hurting, but then we get intimidated or suddenly we just become afraid and nervous and we just, oh, I can't do that right now. It's just too scary. A lot of us feel that if we're afraid, that's now an excuse to not do something. But the truth is, in our heart of hearts, we know we're supposed to step out and touch step out and speak, step out and care, give, whatever it is. That's what he's referring to. When when you're being drawn by the Lord to do the right thing, the good thing, to honor him, to serve him, and you don't do it, it, the sin of omission is just as bad as the sin of commission. It's not like sin light. It's just wrong. It's just wrong. So we have to not allow ourselves to have this excuse, well, I was just so scared. I'm just a shy person. 
He doesn't really say, oh, in those cases, you're off the hook. He just doesn't. So he's saying, look, it requires faith to trust that even for us who are maybe mild-mannered, not very bold by personality, when we say yes, trust that God will honor our faith by saying, ah, this is hard, Lord, but I'm trusting you to do your part. I'm just a little pipsqueak, but I'll do my little pipsqueak part and see what happens next. So what do we do with all that? First of all, I think we need to ask the question, when things don't go as we anticipated, Lord, I thought it was you. I thought for sure. And it's not even close. We have to realize there's only two possible explanations. When things don't go as we thought God wanted them to go. I think, number one, we just plain missed it. We were just wrong in our seeking and searching and concluding and then acting upon it. We just missed it somehow. And it's important for us to recognize that when that occurs, A, don't pretend like, oh, no, I got it right. Actually, God got it wrong. Don't try to cover it up. The best thing to do is go, well, I am just human after all. Welcome to the club, Peter. Right? So, so just give yourself enough grace, as much grace as God gives you. When you miss it, and say, Lord, I'm not giving up, though. I'm going to go at it again. Let's keep praying. Let's keep seeking and see what happens. So it's either A, I've missed it, because I'm not always going to get it right, or B, it's simply a matter of timing. You got it right. You're on track. It's just for later down the road. So don't give up. And even those two options aren't always as clear as they are they. So you keep it before the Lord. You keep seeking and asking. And Lord, confirm, redirect, stop, go, whatever. Just keep seeking him. So if there's one highlight that we could finish with, it would be seek to know him. How does he think? What's he like? What are his priorities? How does he feel toward humanity, toward my brokenness, toward temptation, toward you know, illicit relationships? How does God feel about all these things? I want to know his heartbeat. What makes him tick? That's what the Bible's about. All these circumstances, the way he deals with people, problems, blessings, prosperity, gives you an emerging picture of what he's like. Know him. And secondly... As you get to know him specifically, what are his particular assignments and plans for me? It takes time. It takes a lifetime. And while we're doing all of this, here's, I think, a good one that I want to learn is choose contentment. Choose contentment. Remember, you and I are, are but a mist. Almost there, baby. We're but a mist. In the grand scheme of things, it's going to be great because God has got this. Things are going to be just fine. When things don't happen as quickly, when I have a misstep, just choose contentment. Lord, you're enough for me. Even if none of the other stuff goes the way I expected it to. If you were here last Sunday, you heard Lindsay say she came to the point where she realized if I never get married, if my issues never get resolved, if my health never comes back, Jesus, you're enough. That, that really is a catch-all. You can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with that. I've got a little video we'll close with about three minutes. Let's take a look at this. This is Francis Chan reminding us how to step out in faith so that with what we learn, we actually do something with it. Game called Simon Says. 
right? Most of us have played that, unless you're really young, because there's no app for it. As Simon says, is, uh, you know, you just, Simon says, pat your head, you know, so, okay, you know, Simon said it. Um, it's just, it was a very simple game, but it's so weird how in the church, Jesus says, is a totally different game. If Jesus says something, you don't have to do it, you just have to memorize it. You, you, you study it, you memorize You guys, it, it doesn't make any sense. A lot of the things we do, when he tells us to go out and make disciples, and how many people in the, our churches are actually making disciples? But they memorized it. You know, when I tell my daughter, hey, hey Rach, go clean your room. She doesn't come back to me two hours later and go, I memorized what you said. <laughs> you said, Rach, go clean your room. I can say it in Greek. <laughs> my friends are going to come over and we're going to have a study on what it would look like if I cleaned my room. <laughs> she knows better than that. And so why do we think we're going to come before the judge one day and quote everything that he said Talk about how much we know. It's just, it's just this black and white stuff. If I just started with scripture, I'd go, here's what I would do. I would start making disciples. Just a, just a great reminder to continue to listen to the Lord. When you sense you know what he wants next, let's just do it. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you so much for the encouragement that we have that your commands are not too burdensome for us, and uh, in fact, we can do them because by your grace, you promised we would. If we simply remember, we're participants. We're not initiators. We're followers. So help us, Father, to be courageous in stepping out, to be persistent in seeking and knowing and confirming what your will for our lives is, both in the mundane, everyday stuff, as well as the big decisions, because you promised, Lord, we are your sheep. We hear your voice. We will never be alone. You are with us always. You will live inside of us, and rivers of living water will flow out of us. Your spirit will enter into our brains, and we'll actually perceive what you're saying to us. So, Lord, help us to walk forward with confidence and peace, and through it all, just to choose contentment, whether things happen on our timetable or not, because you're a good God. Therefore, we have a great future. In Jesus' name, amen? amen? Amen. May God bless you today. Enjoy your families. Enjoy your babies. Thank you for being here. Yes, God's word is so awesome. Thanks, Pastor Alex. I hope this message blesses you as it does me. We have an awesome time of worship during each of our services. We have infant and child care available, as well as complete children's education program. We host the Wildfire Youth Programs Wednesday evenings. Be sure to visit our website at rccfoursquare.org. Here's a final word from Pastor Kevin.
Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.